Uh, welcome to a discussion on how our organization, the Democratic Socialists of America, DSA, has responded to the ban of the railroad strike last December. My name is Rosemary Dodd. I'm a DSA member in Asheville, North Carolina, and a member of the Reform and Revolution Caucus. I'm going to give some brief background in case anyone isn't sure what we're talking about. On November 30th, DSA Congress members Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cori Bush, and Jamal Bowman voted in favor of the Democratic Party leadership's attempt to ban a looming railroad strike, which was planned to start on December 9th, and to impose a tentative agreement that a majority of the members of the railroad unions had rejected. The only DSA and Congress member who voted against this attack on the right to strike was Rashida Tlaib. Despite this betrayal, DSA's National Political Committee, the NPC, did not take any action against these Congress members to send a strong message that it was an unacceptable vote for socialists in office to take. Last Sunday, on February 5th, the DSA National Political Committee and the DSA National Labor Commission organized a Zoom panel with railway workers and the DSA leaders to discuss the vote and our organization's response to it. The panel was titled Off the Rails, and we will add a link to a recording of that meeting below this video. Today, I'm joined by two DSA and Reform and Revolution members who were on the Off the Rails call and spoke during the open discussion portion of the meeting. We're going to do a Q&A on the railway strike vote, as well as DSA's approach in its aftermath. We're joined by Jesse Dreyer, who is one of the co-chairs of Portland DSA and a rank-and-file Teamster activist who is kind enough to be speaking with us on his lunch break. Rami Khalil is our other speaker, and he is on Seattle DSA's local leadership body and a member of the Seattle Education Association. Thanks for joining me, Jesse and Rami. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. So to start off, what are just your general thoughts on the railway vote in Congress? Rami, you can go ahead and start. I mean, I think it's an absolute betrayal of the workers. Like these are workers that work on our railroads and they don't get a single day of, of paid leave, paid sick leave. And over the last few years, the the railroad carriers have been working them to the bone and making it much more harder on the workers, but also like for communities. Like just recently, we saw a huge derailing um, of sensitive chemicals that led to having to evacuate whole towns in, in the state of Ohio. And the workers are sick of it. And they voted to to go on strike um, to demand a better contract. And then Biden and Congress intervened to prevent that from happening. And I just think that shows that not only the Republicans, but also the Democratic Party betrayed the workers that they claim to represent, which is actually really damaging to the left. Like we can't really build a very strong labor movement or left wing movement in this country if the party that claims to represent the left is betraying our basic needs. Yeah. Jesse, do you have any additional thoughts? Sure. Um, as a logistics worker myself, you know, I deal with air freight primarily rather than rail uh, transport. Um, the industry, the industry standards, uh, you know, are decreasing across the board in terms of time off, in terms of wages, and it's absolutely unacceptable that three of the four uh, "quote unquote" DSA electeds would vote in favor of a tentative agreement using the justification of the sick pay, the paid sick leave uh, bill uh, as as their motivation. You know, Rashida Tlaib, who has been like you know uh, a really good leader on this, uh, you know, has shown that you could have voted for the sick days without voting for the tentative agreement, which I think is something that many DSA members are not correctly grappling with uh, because like, you know, they're too wedded to the kind of like, you know, uncritical support of our electeds, um, you know, and when they do bad things, you know, uh, we need to be clear that, you know, when you're a socialist in office, like it's not just the primary concern 
to be a you know loyal opposition to the uh, leadership in the party of the ballot line that you ran on but you need to be an organizer in in congress you need to be someone who is going to raise the issue of class struggle to the masses using the platform that you have won through a campaign it's not simply oh, it's not simply a you know we'll get currying favor with the leadership in order to get the the prime committee seats in order to legislate effectively it's about building the socialist movement and raising that banner when it's necessary when the workers movement is calling on you to do the right thing yeah yeah i think there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of dsa members who um you know are being somewhat uncritical but there's also a lot of anger in dsa that this vote was taken um, I think that's evidenced by the fact that Seattle DSA wrote a statement that called for the DSA NPC to hold a town hall with the Congress members so that they could explain their vote and hear the anger and criticism of the membership. That statement was co-signed by 39 DSA chapters, five YDSA chapters, the National, National Afro-Socialist and Socialists of Color Caucus, two DSA political caucuses, and over 550 individual DSA members. Um, you know, it seemed like the off the rails panel was a response to this grassroots demand from the chapters, but um, the Congress members in question played no role in the discussion. So you were both at the off the rails um, panel. What was your assessment of the effectiveness of the panel? In what ways was it helpful and a good step forward? In what ways could it have been improved? Uh, Jesse, why don't you take the lead this time? Thank you, Rosemary. It it's clear that it was a positive step direct, uh, positive step forward to actually have a call like this. You know, previously when uh, DSA electeds have you know, you know, voted against the principles of the organization, there has only been uh, public discourse about it uh, on you know publicly available channels like Twitter, uh, the DSA forum, etc. Having a real you know opportunity for members to provide feedback to uh, you know even a, a committee, a standing national committee of the organization like the. Uh, National Labor Committee, you know, is is very good. However, I think that uh, I have some issues with the way it was presented. Um, the forward-facing graphics on promoting this event was trying to claim to put the votes in context. In context, and I think that the context of the votes are pretty clear. Uh, they DSA electeds voted to impose a tentative agreement that was voted again that was voted down by workers. Um, thus, like, you know, depriving them of their right to strike. Um, I think that there was quite a lot of, uh, you know, sophistry and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of excusing of the electeds, except by uh, Lauren Gabby, who I think was the sharpest uh, political uh, kind of like a <clears throat> force against uh, the electeds in Congress. Laura Gabby is a member of the NPC a co-chair of the National Labor Committee and a member of the Bread and Roses Caucus. And I think that, you know, she put forward the most sharp uh, of the panelists. You know, I only spoke as a member, not as a panelist. Um, of the panelists, she put forward the most uh, sharp class struggle oriented uh, speech uh, against the electeds. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I thought it was good that that the NPC agreed to this demand that came from 39 chapters and so on, that we have a, a mass meeting, but um, it was actually surprisingly disappointing the way that the panel went. Like um, 
Yeah, the, we we had we kept sending the letters from Seattle DSA to the National Political Committee saying, "Hey, make sure to invite the Congress people." And there was no Congress people that really played any role on the call. And um, all the panelists, except for Laura Gabby, were were really making excuses for the Congress members. And I just can't understand what is the point in electing socialist to Congress if they're going to vote to ban a railroad strike. I'm sorry, like that is just a red line that cannot be crossed. And and I don't think our national leadership of DSA should be making excuses for them, pure and simple. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the explanation for why the DSA Congress members and kind of the excuse was um, that they had made a deal to include seven paid sick days in the contract, um, which, of course, didn't work. That sort of forced trading approach um, didn't end up giving workers those sick days. Um, but there were union activists on the panel, you know, railway workers who had actually urged the DSA Congress members to pursue this strategy. Um, so I think some people would ask, isn't it the job of socialist in office to follow the wishes of the workers if they have railway workers telling them, hey, we want you to do this? What would, what would your response be to that? Rami, you can go first. OK, well, I, I would like there is a, there is an our I, I think this moment should be a major wake-up call for DSA in terms of our electoral strategy and our labor strategy. There is a uh, common idea in DSA that we should just follow the workers and do whatever the workers are saying. And that was used, as you said, in this case, that argument was put forward. But that really makes no sense in this case, because a majority of the members of these unions, the workers, a majority of them, had voted to go on strike. And so to just because the union leaders urged some of the DSA members of Congress to not uh, you know, to vote to ban the strike. That doesn't mean that the DSA members should go along with what the union leaders are saying. Like some of these union leaders are too much in bed with the corporations and DSA needs to stand with the rank and file and needs to help promote a socialist strategy for the labor movement. And so, um, yeah, following the workers doesn't make any sense. And even, even if it did, I think we need socialists who will advocate for a, a good strategy for the working class. Yeah. Yeah, and even if um, some rank and file members thought this strategy would work, socialists who would explain why why this strategy was a dead end, I think. Jesse, did you want to add anything? Yes. Uh, so to clarify for the members uh, who of, of the rail unions that were on the call, many of them were representatives from Railroad Workers United, which is a cross-union caucus uh, for reform in the rail unions. Um, and I think that, you know, their perspective is, is slightly skewed in the sense that, uh, you know, one of these members was like actually actively on Capitol Hill lobbying uh, members of Congress, Democrat and Republican, you know, trying to advance the cause of sick days. And I think it was like a victory that like there was actually a vote for sick days like, you know, that was put forward. You know, previously there's not been like an additional addendum to like, you know, tentative agreements that have come from the federal legislature on uh, the presidential executive boards like, uh, you know, uh, demands for a TA. I think that was a victory. I think that it's a miscalculation to say that, like, you know, the voting for the TA and the sick days was uh, was effective when it was clear that, like, you know, one of our members, Rashida Salib, could vote for one, but not the other. I think that it was it would be great if the DSA electeds had voted and as a block for the sick days and not for the TA. I think that's basically what throws a wrench into the kind of like narrative that like, you know, this was solely positive. I think it was positive that sick days got an, a hearing 
in, you know, and, and raise the consciousness around yeah. that. And I think that there's, you know, this idea that is in Railroad Workers United, which I think is a good and strong one, which is calling for the public ownership of the rails. But I think that there is a fatal miscalculation in how we're going to achieve that. We are not going to achieve public ownership of the rails through lobbying, like, you know, the, you know, class representatives of the railroads in the federal legislature. We are going to win uh, nationalization, you know, public ownership of the rails by building a mass movement, not just of rail workers, but of workers across the labor movement, putting demands outward that are going to be met with like ferocious strikes, ferocious public protests, mass mobilization. That is what will actually win rail nationalization, not lobbying the federal legislature. I definitely agree with that. Um, so this vote is just uh, on the railway strike is just one example that we've had of disappointing votes by our elected DSA officials. For example, Jamal Bowman voted in favor of a billion dollars in additional military funding for Israel. So what, what are some of the pressures that socialists in office come under and how can we how can we change this pattern and hold elected officials accountable and what could DSA's NPC do to hold elected officials accountable? Uh, Jesse, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I think it's up to both like, you know, the NPC to set strong precedents you know, for the electeds, you know, encourage them to create new uh, caucuses in legislatures, socialists in office caucuses that can more effectively be a uh, transmitter of information from the electeds to the national political leadership, uh, to the chapters that they are, you know, initially endorsed by. Um, there's this major disconnect that happens and this like, you know, we are electing people that don't really have an orientation in the labor movement, which is one of the points that Laura Gabby raised, which I think is important to more clearly, like, you know, define. Uh, the reality is that, like, uh, you know, if we're not giving our electeds direction, they're going to be caught up in the torrent of, you know, the party establishments, like, you know, uh, jockeying of them because we're not actively backing them up simultaneously. So this is a dual failure. This is a failure of our organization and it is a failure of our electeds because our organization is not providing coherent direction and standards for our electeds to follow. Thus, they follow into the kind of like established order that is in these legislatures. And there is good examples recently this week in Providence DSA uh, of Providence DSA rescinding an endorsement of, you know, a an elected uh a member of the organization who voted for uh, the leader uh, leadership in the Rhode Island legislature, which, you know, is kind of a pro forma thing, but it also indicates like the uh, reliance on the leadership, the established establishment leadership for these like, you know, young socialists in office who are getting caught up in the whirlwind of these legislatures without actual organizational backing, helping them navigate those opportunistic pressures. Yeah, I would just add, like, I don't think those of us that are in the art, the Reform and Revolution Caucus in DSA, we're not just saying that they should be the people in Congress that voted to ban this railroad strike should be like immediately expelled, because I don't think that would be that effective either. But um, I do think that the NPC could be doing more. I, I appreciate that our national leadership wrote a statement critiquing the Congress members who voted that way and that they organize the town hall. 
But like Jesse was talking about, there's enormous pressure on any socialist that gets elected into office to do what the political establishment wants, to to go along with the corporate media narrative. And it's very hard to stand up against those powerful pressures. But we need our socialist organization, DSA, we need to be a counter pressure on our electeds. So like one thing that we were saying is, why don't you invite the Congress people to a town hall and let's let's discuss this with them. And then we could we can invite the media um, and let's let's take this public like that is that is a counter pressure we could put on on our electeds in office. Like if if I mean, that railroad thing got huge national news. If DSA had issued a press release saying DSA is unhappy with our how our DSA members in Congress voted on this issue or the Israeli military funding. We could invite the media, we could invite the Congress people to come to a town hall, and we could debate this publicly. And some people would be interested in that. Maybe, maybe not all the media would come, and maybe not every congressperson would come, but maybe one would show up. And if they don't show up, then that kind of shows whose side they're on. Like if the Congress people are not that connected with, with DSA that they won't even show up to a membership meeting with the membership, then that shows that they're not the best representative. So I, I think we need to rethink like we don't want to just get a ton of people elected or just endorse anyone that wants our endorsement. Like we need to be running candidates that understand that to, to use their positions in office, to build a labor movement and build social movements first and foremost. And the relationship with the democratic establishment is a separate or is a, is a much lower priority. Yeah. Jesse, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I wanted to highlight one other weakness I felt about the uh, call, the off the rails call. Um, I think that it was uh, a tremendous like political shortcoming of so many panelists that they had more condemnation for their own members who were publicly criticizing the vote rather than like the vote itself. You know, there was a lot of hemming and hawing about, you know, people being mean on Twitter. And I think that and that we shouldn't do our our we should be more like, you know, calling people in and calling people out. But the reality is, you know, it's so much more healthy for a debate and and, to, and for it to be democratic, for it to be public. It's important that we like, you know, have our positions put on the record, not just like, you know, for our electeds in office, but also for our officials in our organization. Having these like, you know. Back channel discussions isn't going to be effective in building a mass movement that people have trust in. We need to be able to be confident in our position to put it out publicly and fight out our battles to a degree publicly so that people understand that we're a serious organization and not one that is more like your typical NGO with top-down leadership, one that is member-based. That means that we have to be forceful and confident in public about our discussions. Otherwise, how are we going to come back to this kind of discussion when something like this inevitably happens again? We need these positions out on the record. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the, the Twitter talk was saying that, you know, people being um, childish or inappropriate on Twitter was what was turning working class fighters away from joining our organization. But I would argue that our elected members voting to break a strike is what is going to turn more working, like fighting, radicalizing working class members away, you know, as much as I, I do think um, tw Twitter discourse could could be better. But I think blaming that um, is while ignoring kind of the elephant in the room is is quite silly. How do you guys think that, um, you know, what are the what are the risks to DSA and building a socialist wing of the labor movement that we desperately need um, when our socialist electeds vote and side with the bosses in these kind of cases? 
How does that hurt DSA? I I just want to say that it was interesting how in one of the votes there was more Republicans that opposed yeah. the the crappy deal that um, was the Congress was trying to impose on the railroad workers. Then there were Democrats who voted against it. And so like if socialists are going along with the Democrats all the time um, and we're so focused on unity with the Democratic establishment, it actually opens up space for the Republican Party to act like they're the 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 workers party and they're the real opposition to the establishment. And it, it should be the opposite, like the socialists in Congress should be operating as a block, as a voice of opposition to the political establishment, which which represents the corporate elite. And if we keep having more votes like this, like we've already had a couple big ones, it's going to um, discredit DSA for years to come. So it's, it's, it's essential that we get this right. Definitely. The labor movement has been stirring in the last few years. There is more violence for union election. There are more strikes than there have been in a long while. And, you know, it's not nearly to the degree or enough that it could be or it should be for this current political crisis that we're facing, you know, coming out of the COVID pandemic and this tight labor market. But there is a new offensive, you know, and it is actually an old offensive by the bosses of involving the federal government in doing the capitalists dirt in terms of shutting workers down. There's an, a Supreme Court case pending called Glacier Northwest versus the International Brotherhood of Teamsters that could potentially make striking a, uh, <clears throat> a financial liability uh, for unions. Uh, seeing the federal legislature, Congress, like intervene in this strike is the canary in the coal mine for like this upcoming offensive in the war on workers by the capitalist class. And our electeds helped the front of the employers in this struggle by voting for this TA. It has, you know, hurt us tremendously in allowing this to occur without any actual recourse for those members into directing them towards being on the side of workers in this. Um, but yeah, we need to actually like you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse, I know your, your time's coming to the end. Um, and I've got one more question. Um, so finally, what should DSA do now? So Romney's already touched on this a little bit, but some have called for the expulsion of DSA Congress members who uh, took this traitorous vote, while others have defended them. What would be the most helpful path forward now? Um, and is there a point at which expulsion would be appropriate? Jesse, do you want to start in case you have to go? Sure thing. I think that it's important to build a coherent Marxist left for the upcoming national convention. Uh, that can put forward votes like sending these uh, representatives as a sign that they, you know, they fucked up. They need to have some, like, you know, institutional reprimand for that, you know. And if they, you know, don't follow through, don't follow up, if they are invited to these kind of public meetings that have been proposed, which could be a condition of that censure, then it's clear that these are not people who are actively representing us. And I think that, you know, if after a censure, there is no like, you know, follow up in terms of like, you know, publicly addressing these kinds of votes that then it's clear that like, you know, there is potentially a path for expulsion. But I don't think that we should start off on that because we are all, you know, socialists in education and a political education for our electeds in how it, you should be representative and accountable to the organization that helped elect you is an important lesson that needs to be learned by these electeds. And if they're not willing to learn that lesson, then I think. Like, you know, we can talk about expulsion after we kind of hit that benchmark. 
Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, I I totally agree with Jesse. I, I think expulsion should be considered, but after a period of open public debate um, that includes the Congress people, like, like Jesse said. Um, one thing that I just want to um, say before we end is that um, the Reform Revolution Caucus wants to work with other caucuses and DSA members to put forward a resolution to the National DSA Convention calling on the convention to, to censure or reprimand the, the members of Congress when they voted to either fund the Israeli military or ban this railroad strike. And so I just want to say, if anyone wants to work together to get that passed, I do think that that is that would be an important step forward. Despite this one mistake, I think we can learn from this mistake and correct it. Um, so you could reach out to us. You can reach us at info at reformrevolution.org. Thanks, Rami. Yeah, and if you're interested in um, Reform and Revolution, you can um, go to our website, reformandrevolution.org, uh, to get in touch with us and read some of our articles. And yeah, I think now more than ever, it's really important to cohere the Marxist left in DSA going into the upcoming national convention to address this and other issues. So thank you so much for speaking to me, both of you. Um, it's been a great conversation, really enlightening. Thanks, thanks for talking, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Rami. Thanks, Jesse.